is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Matt Waring and I lead Burton Family Church. And we're a church plant planted out by Jubilee. I'm married to the wonderful Lou uh, and we have two exceptional children, Jordan and Layla, who really aren't children anymore. They're uh, coming into being uh, young adults. Uh, it's been great to be able to join with you on a Sunday morning. Uh, so I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who's involved in making this happen. Um, uh, and also I'd like to personally invite you uh, to come and join us in Burton as we pray on Zoom uh, every morning. Uh, we pray for 40 minutes. Uh, we meet on a Monday and a Wednesday at 7 a.m. Uh, and Tuesday, Thursday, Friday at 10 a.m. Uh, and you can find the meeting ID and password on the website. Uh, it'd be great if you could join us. Uh, this week we're continuing our series on Daniel, a different way of living. Uh, a few weeks ago now, Graham spoke on trusting God, staying faithful and serving the King. And this morning we're in chapter 3, the image of God in the blazing furnace. Uh, and I want to look at how Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego dealt with a crisis and how they spoke in a crisis. So let's, if you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to read Daniel chapter 3 and we're going to read from verses 3 to 30. The image of gold in the blazing furnace. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. 60 cubits high and six cubits wide, and set it upon the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisers, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisers, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provisional officials assembled for the dedication of the image King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all the kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship immediately will be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and the peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who fears the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, 
If you're ready to fall down and worship, the image that I have made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty. that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing robes, trousers, turbans and clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent that the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked the advisers, weren't there three men we tied up and threw in the fire? They replied, certainly your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of God's. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, prefects, governors and royal advisers crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted him and defiled the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than to serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego must be cut into pieces and their houses be but turned into piles of rubble, for no other god can save in this way. And the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, each one of us needs something different from this this morning. So, Father, I pray, I ask, come and whisper into our hearts this morning. And reveal your word to us. Amen. Well, I want to ask you, what immediately jumps off the page from this chapter? In our life groups in Burton, uh, we've been doing some of the Scottish Bible Society's Bible studies. And the very first question they ask every week is, what jumps off the page at you? It's been interesting to hear some of the, what some of the people say. It often depends on when they read it, what mood they were in when they read it, or just what type of personality they are. Maybe you're looking at that and thinking, I wonder what size that statue was. How can I imagine that? Maybe you're wondering about the array of musical instruments and what on earth is a zither and where can I get one? Maybe you're wondering who the fourth person in the furnace was. For me, when I read it, I was struck by the words of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. 
or my shack, your shack, and a bungalow, as we used to call them in Sunday school. This is probably because God has been speaking to me for a while now about how the words I use can have far-reaching consequences. But before that, I want to quickly look at what we can learn in handling a crisis. We find Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego as administrators. This is after Daniel had recommended them to the king at the end of chapter 2. This was just after they had helped Daniel interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. So not only is their reputation at stake, but also the reputation of their good friend Daniel. The passage doesn't mention him, but I'm sure his reaction was the same as his friends, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. The decree from the king puts them in direct opposition to the most powerful man in the land. We don't know if there was discussion amongst three. It doesn't say that. And you know what? I think if I was in that same position, my thought process might have gone something like the following. Maybe I would have thought, what would the harm be in bowing down? Surely God knows my heart is right. After all, God looks at the heart. The Bible tells me that. Maybe I would have thought, how can I get around this? How can I make it look as though I am bowing down without really doing it? In essence, I think I would have probably tried to fudge it. I'm not sure I would have had the faith to stand up. But then I was reminded that in my current comfortable situation here in Burton-upon-Trent, I don't need the faith to stand up to a king. But if I ever did, then God is faithful. He promises to provide what we need for today. And right now, I don't need the faith to stand up before a king. I need the faith for everyday living. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, on the other hand, they knew God's commandments and responded accordingly. Exodus 20 says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven, above or on the earth, beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. So what situations are you confronted with that are in direct opposition to what the Bible says? And what should our response be? Well, we need to take our lead from Jesus. In Matthew 7, 13 and 14, he says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Being a Christian means daily making the choice to enter through the narrow gate, to make the difficult decisions, to stand out from the crowd, to follow God's way rather than the world's way. Even if like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, we end up in a terrible situation. You see, sometimes God wants to save you from within the fire rather than save you from the fire. There are often many lessons we learn in difficult situations. God saved Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego from the fire and they weren't tainted by their experience. Not even the smell of fire was on them and he will do the same for me and for you. So does that mean we can just accept our circumstances? No, again, we, look, we take our lead from Jesus. Matthew 26, going a little farther, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. 
It's not wrong to ask God to keep us from a situation. But if that answer is no, then he promises to walk with us through it. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego knew that. They chose the narrow path, which may have led to earthly destruction, but would ultimately lead to eternal life. Their actions were honouring and obedient. But what about the words that they spoke in this crisis? You see, our words matter. The language we use reflects our heart. Words we speak can affect how we think. According to Andrew Newberg and Mark Robert Waldman, words can literally change your brain. In their book, Words Can Change Your Brain, they write, a single word has the power to influence the expression of genes that regulate physical and emotional stress. Positive words such as peace and love can alter the expression of genes, strengthening areas in our frontal lobes and promoting the brain's cognitive functioning. Conversely, hostile language can disrupt specific genes that play a key part in the production of neurochemicals that protect us from stress. The words we speak matter. How we speak about ourselves and others matters. Parents talking about children, children talking about parents, husbands and wives about each other. So let's look at their response to Pharaoh. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Their words were calm, they were respectful, they were truthful, and they were honest. And as I said earlier, God has challenged me recently about the words that I speak. This has been especially true in the area of prayer. It's been great to meet and pray daily during lockdown, to learn about the spiritual discipline of prayer. And for me, this has been one of the positives to come out of lockdown. One specific area I've been challenged on is the use of the word just when I pray. I just pray. I just ask. I ask you just, or I ask you to just. I sense God say to me, I don't just do anything. Everything I do has a purpose. In one phrase, I had reduced the works of the almighty God to the same level as just popping to the shops. And I believe for me, it affected my levels of expectation when I prayed. I needed to lift my expectations and to see God for the miracle working God he is, who out of his great mercy turns his ear towards us and answers our prayers. You see, it's no small thing when God, who created the universe, hears our prayers and answers them. Hears our prayers and heals a friend. Hears our prayers and saves a family member. It's no small thing when the God who created the universe hears our prayer and provides for those in need. Hears our prayer and intervenes in an ungodly situation. It's no small thing when the God who created the universe hears our prayers and blesses us with his tangible presence. You see, we do not just pray and we do not just ask. 
When we pray, we boldly approach the throne of grace, humbly asking God to hear our prayers in full expectation that he hears us and that he answers us. So this week, I would encourage you to check your actions. Have you been swept along the broad road in any areas of your life? Are there any areas where you need to change the decisions you're making? This week, I would encourage you to ask God for faith for today. You see, we live our lives one day at a time. His promise is for daily bread. Do not worry about tomorrow. Live for today. I would encourage you to think carefully about the words that you speak. The words you use when you're talking about or to your husband or your wife or your partner. When you're talking to or about your children or parents. And especially during your times of prayers. Thank you.